And when you read the book of Revelation, we are oftentimes being carried over by these images and analogies of end times. But we forget the fact that the book of Revelation speaks actually of the present times, of the present situation. So it's, it's this creative tension between the future and the present that, we, that God is actually inviting us into. Because, come to think of it, the message that God has set in the future in the book of Revelation is actually a message for those who are struggling as well in the moment. And when we read the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 to 17, it speaks of the kingdom of God as a future reality, but at the same time, it's also a present reality. And so we would be talking about that community under God today and what does it mean for us to gather under God's kingdom and under his lordship. Let me start by asking this basic question. Why do we ask questions that we already know the answer. Oftentimes that happens. In fact, during this time of pandemic when, when kids are actually being just cooped up inside the house and uh, they do online study, oftentimes they ask the question, do I have to do my homework or do I have to make my bed in the morning? Those questions are just so obvious in terms of their answers. But the fact is, why do we ask them anyway? And you know what? Oftentimes we ask those questions because perhaps we are not really concerned with the answers. We are more concerned about the emphasis. And that's what we call as the rhetorical question. A rhetorical question is a question that emphasizes a point. And that is brought to our attention today because there's this Q&A, a funny uh, interaction between one of the elders and John, who is the writer of the book of uh, Revelation. And they were speaking about this issue about what it means uh, to emphasize something in the kingdom of God. And so let's go back and let's read uh, verses 13 and 14 as our main text for this morning. And it says, Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? Now, I find this funny, by the way, because this elder already knows the answer. And that's why John, perhaps in his own mind, he said, so you already know the answer. Why are you asking me this? And so the elder answered his own question. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, as what I have said, when you ask a question when you already know the answer, that means that it is trying to emphasize a point. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves today is this. What's really the point of this Q&A between one of the elders and John? What were they trying to emphasize? And the emphasis lies actually on the question that was raised by the elder. And so let's go back to that question. And the question was, who are they? Where did they come from? Friends, this is actually a question which speaks about God's call for diversity particularly in verse 9. Before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and the Lamb. This is a call to diversity. God's kingdom is a kingdom of diversity. And perhaps you might be asking the question, why am I speaking about diversity at this stage? Because it's such a common phenomenon. It's such a common thing. In fact, we as a church, we do celebrate diversity. 
But are we really seriously considering what it means and what are its implications? Because it's just easy to gather and say we are now a diverse community. But what is really its meaning? But before answering that, let me go back to this issue of the pandemic. One of the lessons that I have learned and the reflections that I have made regarding the pandemic is this, that it really revealed the best of humanity. I mean, you are able to see people helping each other, loving each other, caring for their neighbors, even healthcare workers sacrificing themselves, literally, basically, just to give their lives for the sake of the people whom they are serving. Priests and pastors have died for the sake of giving their lives for the sake of their people. But my friends, the pandemic also revealed the worst of humanity. Instead of uniting the world together to fight a common enemy that we could not even see, it actually revealed deep divisions. Racism is on the rise. Racial abuse is actually so prevalent, as well as xenophobia. Friends, sinful humanity has always tried to divide the world into two camps. This is always the tendency of the sinful humanity. We are always trying to divide the world into two camps, between those who have and those who have not. So instead of, of the fact that we are always told about diversity, we end up actually being so divisive in all things and being conflictual in all things. I've, I've just been reflecting on the words of a French-Algerian philosopher by the name of Jacques Derrida, and he said that this tendency to divide is what he calls as binary oppositions. And binary oppositions, he means, that this is a way of thinking wherein two opposites are strictly put and defined, and then they are set off against each other. These are what we call as binary oppositions because these are just grouping of two groups on an ethnocentric level and then divide these people. And one of the examples of uh, of, uh, binary oppositions would be male versus female, the us versus them, um, one nation against another nation, rich versus the poor, and black versus white. It's a binary opposition because it speaks of just two groups. And so this is also our tendency to divide the world into two groups. We always have the tendency to divide the world between us and them. And those who don't like, who don't like us and who, who, who really are not of the same as us, we consider them as on the outside. But friends, the kingdom of God doesn't divide The kingdom of God is about diversity and the kingdom of God calls everyone, whatever language you belong to, whatever nation you belong to and whatever language you speak and whatever skin color you have, you belong to God's kingdom when he calls you. This is what's important about God's kingdom. Oftentimes we are just so focused and it's just so easy to talk about diversity when in fact oftentimes our tendency would just be to divide. But the Bible has always been clear about the need for us to be united in the midst of our diversity. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so Jacques Derrida calls for us to deconstruct our uh, binary tendencies and binary oppositions. We need to deconstruct our tendency to divide peoples into groups. And the best way to deconstruct, and by the way, when you try to define deconstruction, it doesn't mean destruction of the other group. By deconstruction, it means critiquing 
and analyzing your own assumptions of a certain reality. And so we need to deconstruct our own polarizing tendencies. And the best way to de deconstruct our polarizing tendencies would be to be careful about the language that we use, particularly the language of conjunctions. Because language is important, because language conveys our own intent. And so as we, as we consider what language we use to deconstruct our binary oppositions, one of the recommendations would be for us to develop that words of conjunction, particularly the word and. Conjunctions are words that are used to uh, connect two separate but related ideas. So instead of saying us versus them, we say us and them, male and female, rich and poor, instead of considering the other as different. Conjunctions are important. And so Dr. Luke Powery, the dean of uh, Duke University Chapel, said that we need to develop a conjunctive theology. He said, God is a conjunctive God, and God is a conjunctive God with a conjunctive imagination. God connects all peoples from every nation, from all tribes and languages, and brings them together into his kingdom. We need to develop a conjunctive theology. We need to look at the, for all of us just to gather in the midst of all our separatedness and in the midst of all of our diversity to come together under God. But friends, the call for diversity is just one half of the story in, uh, in Revelation chapter 7. There's another story behind that. And let's go back again to the question that was raised. Who are these people? Who are they? Friends, this question also speaks about the dichotomy in the kingdom of God, particularly in his call. Now, in verse 14, it says, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. Now, wait a minute. Perhaps you might be saying, Why am I talking about dichotomy right now when, in fact, a while ago I was talking about the need for diversity and, the, and for us to drop our binary oppositions? But, my friends, the Bible is so clear that the kingdom of God belongs only to the faithful followers of Christ. Regardless of your background, you need to step up as a faithful follower of Jesus. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. That means that these are the people who really sacrificed themselves and gave up their lives for the sake of Christ. It's easy for us that we believe in the kingdom of God but it's totally different when we say that we are truly followers of Jesus Christ. And what does this mean, by the way, friends, in terms of missions and discipleship? Well, the fact is, the kingdom call is actually a call to discipleship. Because not everybody who calls, as Jesus said, not everybody who calls upon me, Lord, Lord, shall be saved. It is only those who are really faithful followers of Jesus. And so this is a call for discipleship. Uh, last March 7, uh, we wrote an article in uh, the Knox Weekly which speaks about uh, the, the Great Commission. And in the Great Commission, the emphasis that we have stated there in that uh, write-up is that it's not on the word go, but on the word discipling. That's where the imperative word is. The call for us is to call for discipleship. It's not just a matter of going. And so as we follow Jesus, we need to really count the cost of discipleship. 
It's just so easy to say that we follow Jesus and we belong to his kingdom. But it's a different matter when we say that we are really, truly followers of Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, he said that when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. To follow Jesus means to really be faithful followers to the point of even giving up your life for the sake of Christ. But this is not just a normal discipleship that God is calling us into. In fact, God is calling us into a contextual discipleship. You know what? Again, when we read Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 17, there is really a purpose as to why God highlighted the terms nations, tribes, and peoples. Friends, this is not just an emphasis on diversity of the kingdom of God. In fact, the purpose of this statement would be that discipleship happens in a specific context. It varies in every nation. It varies in every situation. It varies in every tribe. And so, wherever you are, God is calling you to be a disciple in that area or in that country or in that neighborhood. What would be, what would be the, the, the matter of discipleship when you are in Africa, where there's just so much poverty? What would, be, what would discipleship look like when you're in the Middle East or in South Asia when, when, when there's just so much persecution of Christians? What would discipleship look like if you are in another country in Asia where, where there's just so much pluralism of religion? How can you be faithful to Jesus in that context? Or how can you be faithful to Jesus even if you are here in Canada? where there is just so much comfort and there's really, there's really no struggle with regards to uh, material comfort. How can you be faithful to Jesus? The call to follow Jesus and to be part of his kingdom would be a call to discipleship, but it is a contextual discipleship. And that's the same path that he is asking of us today. And I think the last question that I would be posing is this, and this is one of our reflections that we would be making today. How can I be faithful to Jesus in whatever situation I am in? Whether you are in Africa, whether you are in the Middle East, whether you are here in Toronto or in Canada, what is God calling you to be and to do? How can I be faithful to Jesus in whatever situation I am in? Friends, I would just like us to pause for the next two minutes and reflect on that question. How can I be faithful to Jesus in whatever situation I am in? Blessings, everyone.